so you got a chance to see the sum, because that was only, I think, three of our high school band. There's a whole band. Um, Jen helped lead the high school band when you were in high school, right? Yep. Wow, years and years ago, getting old. <laughs> I'm her father, so if she's getting old, what does that make me? Um, but she, she was up there. She was up there leading worship with the high school band when she was in high school because someone invested in her when she was younger and allowed her to use her gifts in the children's ministry. The high schools you saw up here are up here because someone invested in them when they were a part of the children's ministry and a lot of the other high school students as well. And I want to give you a special opportunity to be a part of a dynamic ministry that is the children's ministry here at Grace Chapel. We're building uh, new classrooms behind this wall to kind of spread the kids out a little bit. They're getting crowded over here. So we're building more classrooms with more classrooms comes more teachers. And so what we're looking for in Grace, at Grace Chapel is people who are anointed. And you think, oh, wait a second, I'm not anointed. Well, let me tell you what anointed actually means. It's really taking the gifts that you have. If you feel gifted working with, to work with children, if God has given you that gift, you feel like, I love working with children, and the Holy Spirit comes and, and dwells you to be working with those children, you are anointed. It is the gifts that God has given us and combined with the Holy Spirit of God that makes someone anointed. We throw those words out sometimes. We feel overwhelmed. Oh, I'm not anointed. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God and you've been gifted by God to do that area of ministry, yes, you can be. Yes, you are. And we're looking for people not just to fill slots because we need someone in the nursery. We're looking for people who have a desire to serve God in this area. Why? Because the students that were up here playing this morning, okay, a few years back, our worship leader was in their place. You heard how good they are. It's not like, oh, let's put them up there and yay, that was cute. It wasn't cute. It was good. They're really good. They are a part of the church of today, so they will be a part of the church of tomorrow. And in this church, we need to realize that if we are going to see our children raise up, okay, and take on the mantle of leadership later on in life in this church, they need to be a part of the church of right now. And that means they start when they're in children's ministry, someone encouraging them, getting them up in front and saying, you have this gift, you should sing, you should act, you should do these things, you should get them involved in church ministry because then they're the ones in about five or six or seven or eight years standing up here helping to lead worship when they're in high school. And then they become worship leaders, they become, they become pastors, they become uh, marketplace ministers, they become teachers who have a passion for students and do dynamic work within the schools. That doesn't happen by accident, it happens when people invest their time. And if you would like to, if you would like the privilege of being involved in our children's ministry, then please call the church office. Talk to Pastor Chris. Talk to any of the, of the leaders. Talk to me. We'll make sure we get you plugged into that area of ministry. All right. So I'm pumped up here. This morning we are going to continue our series. and It's called Move. What's your next step? If we are going to be people who have a desire to move, to, to take on the world that surrounds us in a positive way, to impact people's lives that are all around us, then we need to be willing to move. And, and for me, in order to really move, you need to have zeal. You need to have zeal. We, you know, you've heard that word before, and I've heard it over, you know, zeal, you read about in the Bible every once in a while, but I started to study this whole idea of what is zeal? What is it to have zeal? To move forward in your faith, you have to have zeal. In Colossians 3.23, it says, 
Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters or not for men, as it says in some other translations. Working with all of your heart, not for men, but for the Lord, focusing on the Lord and giving him all that you have. I looked up Webster's definition of zeal and it's eagerness or an ardent interest in in the pursuit of something. And a couple of synonyms are, are fervor and passion. And I'm going to use those words, fervor and passion, throughout this sermon. If you would, grab a pen. There's pens in the seat back in front of you. Use it, use it, use it write down some of the things that we're going to talk about here. Because when I, as, I, as I lay certain things out, I want you to write them down. Because I want you to understand how significant these words are. And what it means to actually have zeal. So I'd like you to take it home this week and kind of go over it a little bit. Keep reading over these words. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul uses the word heart. He says heart. In other translations, it says heartily. And that word heartily literally, literally means from the soul. From the soul. Work at it with all of your heart or heartily. From the soul. So write that down. From the soul. Think about that. Hold on to these words. Don't let these words go. Don't let them just pass in one ear and out the other. From the soul, he's talking about this, this, this kind of passion that we need has to come from the soul. People, people can be passionate about a great many things, right? Right? You're passionate about your relationships sometimes. You're, 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 you're passionate about your job. You love your, you love your job. You have zeal for your job. Because the idea of being successful, you have a passion or a zeal for being successful. We have, we have passion for our cars, right? You can have passion for a car. You can be passionate about your hobbies or your interests. You're, you can definitely be passionate about sports. Why wouldn't you be? The Bengals are 6-0. and They're going to destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers today. Be 7-0, and right? It's something to be passionate about. Something to be passionate you know, and, and all you Pittsburgh fans, just stay quiet, okay? <laughs> No, you, you can be passionate about your team. We get passionate about our sports. We get passionate about the things that we're interested in. People are passionate about so many things. That passion and that zeal drive us. My wife says that I'm a very passionate person. She says that you're passionate about your toast in the morning. Oh, my toast. Yeah, I got some toast. She always tells me you're so, you get so wound up about different things. I'm a passionate person. So we can be passionate about a great many things. The question really is, the question is, are we passionate about the things that are most important? About the thing that is most important? Because you think about this. You're passionate about, and when you get passionate about something, you have the time for it, you have the energy for it, you have the resources to accomplish what you're passionate about, right? You always have enough time, energy, and money to accomplish the things that you're passionate about. So again, the question is, the real question is, are we passionate about that which is most important? Do we have, I mean, think about this. Don't don't just hear the words. Think about it in your own life. Am I passionate about what's most important? Am I passionate about God? Do I have a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ? Is that, does that move me? Does it, does it stir in my soul? Do I think about him all the time when I'm, when I, when I go to lie down, when I wake up, am I, is it, a, is he a part of my life? Scripture talks a lot about zeal. It talks a lot about zeal. God, you think about it, God describes himself as a passionate and zealous God, right? So many times in scripture, in the Old Testament, you'll hear this phrase, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The zeal 
of God, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish these things. Go and do them. I am with you, the zeal of the Lord. Jesus is described as zealous. Isaiah 59:17 prophesies about him. This is what it says, for he will put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head, and he will put on the garment of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Jesus' passion was to do the will of the one who sent him. It was his passion. That was this, the, the fervor that he had. To do the will of the one who sent him. Listen to this. This comes from John chapter 4 verse 34. Listen to these words. I want you to let this sink in. My food, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, write that down. My food. I mean, I I read that and I thought to myself, man, you got to up your game here. As I'm reading through this and talking about zeal. I'm thinking to myself, wow, I, I think I'm excited about Christ. I think I have a, a, a passion for God. I got to up my game, my food, because doesn't First John say, if you claim to live in him, you must walk as Jesus did. Well, if I'm going to walk as Jesus did, then my food needs to be a desire to do the will of my father. That should be my food. I, just start, let, that just, let that just sink in. Because the Bible encourages, I mean, challenges, encourage, whatever word you want to use, believers to pursue a passionate and zealous relationship with their God. And, you know, you think about the world, we, we look at the world today and you, you see different churches and people going in and out. You wonder, as, as we talk about this, are people, are believers in Jesus Christ really zealous? Do we have a passion when you see your friends and you, you know they're believers, would you say of that person, man, that person is a real zealot. That person has, they have zeal, they have passion, they have fervor, they are on fire for Jesus Christ. Is that what we would say about each other? Now, hear, out, hear me out. I understand some of this is personality. Some people are a lot more animated than other people. So it doesn't just come out and someone getting all pumped up and using their hands when they talk. That's not, that's not, that's not zeal. Zeal comes from within. It's that passion from within. It's that intrinsic motivation. So you can be a more quiet person, more laid back, but your zeal comes out in your desire to serve. Man, you're Johnny on the spot, okay, or Jane on the spot. You're there when it comes to serving. You invest, you, you spend time in prayer, hours a day other people can't do that but your zeal for god puts you in your prayer closet puts you on your knees and you have that zeal to pray so it's not just this outward expression that you see in some people oh they're so passionate that's okay it's good to be passionate about christ outwardly but zeal comes from that inward it's an inward it's something that happens inside of us ecclesiastes 10 9 says this Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Write that down. Write that. With all of your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, whatever it is, whatever, listen, whatever it is your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there will be neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. There are certain things on this earth that we will not be experiencing in heaven. It's a different experience. 
There are certain things that you can do here, okay? There's opportunity now to have a, a, a passion for God, to reach out in love with the love of Jesus Christ to other people. We won't have that same opportunity in heaven. We'll be in heaven. And so he's saying, whatever your hand finds to do on this earth right now, do it with all of your might. In Galatians 4.18, it says, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I am with you all the time. It should spring up in us all the time. That should be our desire at all times. Paul speaks of his own, his own passion or his own zealous attitude in Colossians 1.29. He says, to this end. I strenuously, listen to the words, write those down. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Strenuously. As I was writing this, I, I asked myself, as I think about all these words, I asked myself, is my food to do God's will in every area of my life, wherever I am? Is my, is my food to to honor God, to, to accomplish the will of God, his purpose in my life all the time. Is that what you think about that? Is that how you feel when, when you get up in the morning, you're going to go to work? Is, do you say to yourself, and maybe not in these words, but my food is to do the will of my father at work today. Give God, give me an opportunity to maybe encourage someone today or let someone know I'm going to pray for them today. Or if I have an opportunity, maybe I can lead someone to Christ today or just be kind to someone today. I want to do your will at my job. I want to do, you get up and think to yourself before you go to school, my food, my food is to do the will of God today in school. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to study when it's time to study. I'm going to listen and be attentive because this is what this is where God has put me right now. I'm going to be kind to people around me. If there's someone sitting alone at a, at a, at a lunch table, I'm going to invite that person over. I'm going to use every opportunity I have to do the will of my Father who sent me because that is his desire for me. That is my food. If you don't eat, what happens? You die. Think about that. That's what he's talking about here. You know, people say, well, don't get old. Don't get so worked up over it. Don't get so, calm down, calm down. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food, if I don't eat, I die. So if then for me as a believer in Jesus Christ, my passion, my zeal should be to do the will of the father. If I didn't serve God, would I die? Would I maybe would I emotionally, what would happen to me if I didn't do the will of God? He says, your food should do, be the will of the one who sent you. Here's the thing. Doing God's will is not a part of your life. It is your life, right? That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, you don't have to come up with something. Guys, you don't have to come up with something new. You don't have to do something new. What I'm saying is, what the Bible's saying is, serving God, doing God's will, isn't just a part of your life. It's Sunday. Come to church, you know, be nice to people on Sunday. Then you go out in the world. Boop, that's all that, that next Sunday. We'll get back to you. God. No, it is life. It, it is life. So please don't lose the intensity of these words. All right. He said heartily, heartily is from the soul, from the soul, my food, all my might, he says, I want to do with all of my might, strenuously contend all of these things with all of my energy. Listen to the words there, all 
It's, it's, it's all encompassing. It's, it's internal. It's external. It's who you are. It's physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. Physical. My food, right? Emotionally, spiritually, it's all wrapped up into one thing. We as followers of Jesus Christ need to be passionate. Our spiritual passion or, or zeal should be like a fire. It, like a fire. You know, it's, it's, if you just keep putting, think about this. If you just keep putting the logs on, you just keep putting the logs on your fire. So you got a little spark going. God starts stirring something. Just keep putting logs on that fire. Because the wind of the spirit will fan that flame until it is so hot, not even the, uh, a, 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 drenching, a drenching rain or rain or a storm of adversity can put it out. You just keep putting those logs on the fire and the wind of the spirit of God will just blow it and blow on that until it's, until it's hot coals that will not go out, a blazing fire. And that's what God wants us to have. But see, the opposite is also true. If we don't feed that fire, if we don't feed that fire, then we just end up, the fire becomes more of a smoldering. You know, if you see fires, you throw a little water on it and you let it lay there for a while. After a while, things start getting, you know, the, the coals start getting kind of dark and you got a little smoldering thing going on. That's what happens if we don't put that, we don't keep feeding that fire and allow the spirit, to, uh, the wind of the spirit to, to fan the flames. It begins to smolder. I love John Wesley. The more I read about John Wesley, the more I love him. And he was once asked, why do so many people come to hear you preach? And his answer was, you know what? I just set myself on fire and they come to watch me burn. Come on with that, man. That gives you the goosebumps, doesn't it? Or holy bumps. That's what Kevin is, holy bumps. I mean, I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. You gotta, got, you gotta love a guy like that. I absolutely love, if you read, the more you read about John Wesley, the guy was an entrepreneur. He was a marketplace minister. All the people in the world talk about how they came up with marketplace ministry. John Wesley was doing, it was being done in the first century, but Wesley was doing it. He was a business guy. He was an entrepreneur. He was a marketplace minister. He was a preacher. He, his whole life was consumed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley's life fires me up. What fires you up? Do you have a zeal for God? Think about that. Do I have a zeal for God? Do you have a desire to move mountains? Like, is that part of, you know, if you have a faith the size of a mustard, you can move mountains. Do you think, but I want to move mountains. When the, when the sea opens up, do you have a desire to walk through? Do you think to yourself, man, I wish I was on that boat with Peter. I would have loved to have gotten out and tried to walk across the water. You have that kind of zeal. Do you have that kind of zeal in your life that you want to move mountains? Do you have, do you have a fire in your heart that, that, that desires to see change in other people's lives? That's what we need. Do you want the church to grow? I want, to, I want Grace Chapel to continue to grow. You know how people coming to know Christ, people giving their lives to Christ. That's how I want to see people at this church grow. And that comes from all of you with a zeal, with a passion, with a, a fervor for God. Desire to reach out and see other people's lives changed. People were baptized last week. You know why? For many of them, because they were invited. They were invited to church by someone. They heard the word of God. They responded to the word of God. They've given their lives to Christ. And then they were baptized because someone else had a fire for God. Some of us have been smoldering long enough. 
Okay, that life is finished. You have been smoldering long enough. We need to put some fight back in our faith. We need passion. We need zeal. When our children look at us, what do they see? I am an expert, okay, when it comes to, I'll say, uh, youth, children, whatever else, and, and, and how they interact with parents. I'm going to say that, okay? And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. And people in youth ministry will back me up on this. For the most part, not completely, because I am an exception to this rule. There are exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, what I have witnessed all of my adult life is if you invest in a student, they could be fired up, fired up. Here's their parents. Wherever their parents are, over a period of time, most of the time, not all the time, here's what happens. The student, the child goes right down to the level of their parents. Or if the parent is here spiritually and the kid is kind of floundering, usually... They will, they will rise or fall to the level of their parents. When your children see you, when your child sees you, what are they seeing? Are they seeing a person who is zealous? Are they seeing a person who's passionate? You say, well, you know, it's been, old. my, my kids are older now and I, I lost that opportunity. No, you have not. You start living that life now. You start, you start sharing Christ now. You start being that man or that woman now. It's never, it's not too late. Your children will see that. They will see that. Even as adults, they will see that. Here's the thing. You want to dare your children to keep up with you. That's what you should be thinking. With your small children, people say, oh man, when they're in high school, oh, I'm dreading the high school years. Are you kidding me? Those were the best, those were the best years of your life because your kids can interact, they can understand deeper truths. And what you want to do in your life right now is say to your child, hey, I dare you to keep up with me. I dare you to keep up with the fervor and the passion and the heart that I have and then watch what happens over time. They will. They will rise to the occasion, but they will also fall down. They will also sink if not given an opportunity. And again, that is not across the board 100%, but usually you'll see students living up to the zeal, to the passion of their parents. Okay, so the question is I have for you guys is if you're not zealous, why not? I think one of the reasons is because some people in this room don't have a relationship with God. You don't have a relationship with Christ. And so it's extremely difficult if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ to be passionate about prayer. I, talk, I preach about prayer and you're like, well, now, yeah, uh, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. Bye bye. You know. Well, my grandparents taught me to pray. I pray that. So you're not passionate about prayer. You're not passionate about Bible study. You're not passionate about worship. You know, it's cool. Jen wrote a new song. That's really neat. I like to hear that's her saying. But you're not passionate about worship. You're not passionate about, about sharing your, your, your faith with other people. You're not passionate about giving, the idea of, of giving. What, what, you know, you're not passionate about those things because you don't have that relationship. See, what happens is the person who's passionate for God is filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the living God is in them we're passionate because we're filled with the spirit of god we're passionate because of the resurrection power of jesus christ in us some of you don't have what i'm talking about some of you are not zealous you're kind of going through you're you're religious but i'm going to tell you right now what i'm talking about is not about religion it's about relationship you don't get what i'm talking about you're not going to receive that because it's not based upon a religion, it's based upon a relationship, a personal relationship with God. And I want you to bow your heads with me right now. We're not going to pass this moment. Bow your heads with me. There are some people who have been coming long enough. You've been sitting there long enough. You hear what I'm saying, 
and you know what I'm saying is true. You know there's a God. You know he's there. You just don't have that relationship with him. And I don't want this this moment to pass without you having an opportunity to have that relationship. So the rest of the sermon will be totally different. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In John 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're sinners. We're separated from God. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to have read your Bible. And you don't have to have heard a pastor to know that you're a sinner. Just get in the car, drive around a little while, let someone cut you off. And you realize you're a sinner. So we're sinful. We're separated from God. Our sin separates us from God because he's perfect. We're not. But Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Some of you this morning need to make that commitment. You need a relationship with a living God. I want you to pray a simple prayer. The prayer is not the power. The power is in the heart behind what you say. If you want that relationship with God, you have you, you're, you want to move forward. You want to move forward. Your next step is to build that relationship with Christ. I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Father, I thank you. You can say it to yourself. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and to be touched by your Holy Spirit. I know you're tugging on my heart. You have been for a long time. This morning, I confess that I'm a sinner, that I'm separated from you. I don't want to be separated any longer. I want to have a personal relationship with you. Religion's not enough for me. I can't have passion and zeal. I can't see my life changed, the lives of those around me changed without having that relationship. So I ask that your, your Holy Spirit would come into my life. I ask that your son Jesus Christ would fill my heart. As he holds one hand up to you, Father, I pray that he holds one hand down to me and bridges that gap, that separation. Thank you that your son Jesus Christ died on a cross. That I could have a relationship with you. I thank you for that. And my life is now changed. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Don't you leave this place this morning before coming to me and just letting me know you prayed that prayer. Okay? You are now, your life, your life is totally different. Okay? When you read the word of God, you'll understand it better. When people talk about spiritual things, you'll understand it better. What I'm going to say to you right now, you're going to understand in a, in a more in a more practical way, in a more real way, in a more spiritual way. So some of you, why aren't you zealous? Because you didn't have that relationship. You do now. Others, you've been a Christian for a very long time. And do you remember the zeal that you once had when you were first saved? Remember? Remember that zeal that you had for God? Man, you couldn't wait to read your Bible. You couldn't wait to learn something new. You couldn't wait to go to church. You couldn't wait to share your faith with anyone who was around you. You just could, you couldn't wait for it. Here, I'll tell you the problem. I'll tell you what's happened. I'll tell you what's happened to you. The thing that was once, the, the things that were once so precious to you, the thing that was so precious to you has become familiar. And familiarity, as they say, breeds contempt. So what was once so precious in your heart, what mattered so much to you, has now become familiar. It's become familiar. 
I, and, so, and so we just kind of think, well, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, Christ died on the cross for me. Yeah, you know. I, I think some of us honestly have forgotten that he saved us. We've forgotten what we've been saved from. I'm going to tell you a, a quick story. I don't think I've ever told you this before because I don't really tell. I haven't really told a lot of people. Um, I, remember, I remember certainly when I wasn't a believer. And the way I thought about life, I've told you about that, my philosophy of life and how I felt and the intensity, the anger I had as a young man. I've told you all those things, but I, I moved from New York to Virginia because I didn't want to go to college. I didn't know. I got saved my second, year, second half of my senior year. I didn't plan on going to college, and then I got saved. And I, my only plan was to move to Virginia because my plan was to move to Virginia, buy five acres, keep everyone away from me, and kind of live my life. But then I got saved, and that didn't that didn't pan out so well because i wanted to share christ with other people and i remember it was about a mile and a half walk from where i was in the place where i lived in virginia down a gravel path to the mailbox and i would go there every day trying to you know see if anybody wrote me letters because i was just i was dying out there because i had gotten saved and, and all i saw were like cows and whatever else i you know i would i would have i would have preached to them but they couldn't understand it and so i looked i looked so forward to getting those letters from my friends back at home and church and everything and i remember Walking down this gravel path, I got halfway there, halfway to the mailbox, and I stopped. And I did something really strange. I said, I was 18 years old, and I said, remember me, how I feel right now, what I'm going through right now, what, remember me. So the 53-year-old me, 18-year-old me was, was saying to the 53-year-old me or the 33-year-old me or the 83-year-old me, remember me. Don't ever forget me, and I haven't. I remember how that 18-year-old me felt. I remember how that 18-year-old me, what he was saved from. I remember the, the passion that I, that I had, but the, the loneliness I was feeling. I, I, remember, I remember how I felt because I was, I was only a Christian for three or four months at the time. So I remember all the things that were a part of my life in the past and all the things that God was doing in my life and, and he was changing me. I, he saved, I said this last week, he saved me. He saved me not just spiritually so I can spend an eternity with him. He saved me. I am standing here because he saved my life. He turned me into the person I was created to be. He brought out those spiritual gifts he, he showed me what my gifts are. He helped me overcome my fear. The blood of Jesus Christ covered me from my sin. I was over to, over, able to overcome habits in my life. He, he, re, he readjusted the way I thought. He changed everything about me. And I, I left that place. I ended up going to college. I obviously became, I was a youth pastor. I became the pastor of Grace. We started Grace Chapel. Why? Because he saved me. I remember the 18-year-old me. I remember very closely to the 17-year-old me. I remember what I have been saved from. Some people have forgotten what they've been saved from. You've forgotten he saved you. If you can understand, sincerely, I don't care if everybody says it, but if you can understand what the heck I'm talking about when I mean you know what you've been saved from, someone say amen. Just say, just say amen. Amen. We, yeah, amen. Hallelujah is right. We have been saved, and I think we've forgotten that. We, we've forgotten that we can, listen to me, you can enter into the Holy of Holies. You can enter into, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You can enter into the very presence of God the Father and come to him through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You, you can enter into the Holy of Holies. You know what that is for most Christians? 
Oh, yeah. What about, you're saying something about prayer? Something like that? Ho-hum. We can enter the Holy of Holies. Ho-hum. Go study what it meant to enter into the Holy of Holies. And because Jesus tore the veil, because Jesus was risen, because Jesus now lives in me, because he's the mediator between me and the Father, I can enter in the Holy Holies. It is not ho-hum. And the problem is we've made it ho-hum. We have, we have lost that spiritual fervor. Worship becomes a spectator sport. Right? Worship becomes a spectator sport. Bible study becomes information gathering and church becomes just another option. Because we've forgotten why we were saved and what we were saved from. We need to ask ourselves, listen, we need to ask ourselves, have we become so familiar with our faith that something that was once so precious has now become common? We are not going to move. We are not going to move. If we don't understand that, if we don't, if we don't get the fire started, if we don't get it stoking again, let the spirit, the wind of the spirit blow through that, get that fire going, start throwing logs on it, get engaged, start serving, let a God use your gifts. If you don't do those things, what, what is so precious, what should be so precious could become just something that is common. So many believers seem to have grown apathetic over the years. They've lost their zeal. They've lost their passion. Men, have we lost our zeal? Men, have we lost our zeal? Have we lost our fight? Have we lost our fire? Let me remind you. Let me remind you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 20, chapter 11, verse 22, it reminds us this. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion on a snowy day. You think killing a lion's enough? He jumped into a pit on a snowy day. Circumstances not in his favor, because it would have been slippery. So not only does he fight and kill the lion, he does it on a snowy day. Why? Because he had zeal, because he had passion, because he had fervor. How about us older Christians? We lost a little bit. Have we, have we lost a little bit? Do you remember, do you remember Caleb? I love Caleb. I talk about Caleb all the time. Caleb was almost 78 years old, around 78 years old when he marched across the Jordan. Caleb, Caleb, do you remember what Caleb said? The zeal in which Caleb said it. When they were dividing the land, you remember what he said in Joshua chapter 14, verses 11 and 12? Here, I'll read it to you again. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out, okay? Do you think, you think he lost his zeal from his 40s into his 80s? I don't think so. Do you remember the zeal that he had? He said, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Listen to these words. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard that the, the Anakites were there and their, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Women, have you lost your zeal? Have you lost your zeal? Do you remember Esther? In Esther chapter 4 and verse 16 it says, she said this, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast from me. Do not eat or drink for three days, day and night. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And listen to this. And if I perish, I perish. This is Esther. This is zeal. 
She's standing, staring death right in the face. She goes before the king. You cannot go before the king if you're not invited. Esther goes before the king. And what she says is, if I perish, I perish to save my people. Why would she do that? Because she had zeal. Because she had passion. Because she had fervor. Because she was on fire. How about you students? So many of you guys are surrendering your zeal for popularity. You want to be recognized. You want to be popular. You want to be accepted. And so you don't want to be a fanatic. Can we go back and go over the words that we've been talking about here? Can, can, can we just be honest? Were these people not fanatics? Okay. Fervor. You don't want to be a fanatic. So you just keep your faith to yourself when you're in school. Just keep your faith to yourself. We become like the Laodicean believers Neither hot nor cold, we become lukewarm. And we know what Jesus says about those who are lukewarm. If you don't, look it up. Our passion, our zeal should be for Jesus Christ first and foremost. Above and beyond everything else. You can continue to do your sports. You can continue to go to work. You can continue to go to church. You can continue to work in your neighborhood and your town. But you need to be zealous for Jesus Christ in everything, everything that you do. That's what the Bible is telling us. God desires that we express our passion for him in every single area of our lives. Every single area. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, it says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Every area of our lives belongs to God. If it's not sinful, it's no, that that was like the most zealous list kind of response I've heard in a long time. Now, all you are woken up now. Okay. If it's not sinful, it's. Exactly. So everything belongs to God. Satan owns absolutely nothing. And we can redeem all that we're a part of by bringing Christ into those situations. Whether work or school or doesn't matter. We need to be zealous for God. He owns it all. We should be a zealot for him in school. We should be a zealot for him when we're at home with our families. We should be a zealot for him when we are in our workplace. I've talked about this so many times, but I I hear people talk all the time. They say, well, my, my faith is personal. It's personal. And then that person passes. And I've heard this over and over again. Do you think that person was, were they a believer? And people, the other person says, I think so. You think so? You think so? How is it that you can go through your life and someone ask if you're a believer? And the answer is, I think so. No, 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 no. Our our faith, our faith shouldn't be a think so thing. Our faith should not be private. It should be fervent. It should be on fire. It should be boiling over. Everyone should know. Everyone should know who we are. Everyone should know. I take Taekwondo. I'm going back now. My hip's getting a little better. I'm going to go back and start Taekwondo again. Everyone at Taekwondo should know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Everyone in my neighborhood should know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Everyone here obviously knows that I'm standing up here. If you don't, (laughs) whatever. Um, So everyone should know no matter where I am that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. No one at my my death should say, you think think he was a believer? And say, well, I I think so. I kind of think he got all excited on Sunday mornings. I think he probably was. I'm not really sure if we want to fulfill. Listen, if you want to fulfill your purpose, if you want to move forward in your faith, Start your first step. We talk about what's the next step. Your first step is having zeal. 
You need to have that zeal. You need to have that fervor. You need to have that passion. You need to get the fire stoked again. Some of you are kind of just sitting back. You know what? Give you a, we'll give you a do-over, all right? But from this point forward, here we go. Here we go. We want to change the world. We need to have that kind of zeal. We accomplish, you, and you know this too, you accomplish what motivates you. Don't you? You accomplish what motivates you. You, do, you, do, you accomplish the things that you desire in your heart, right? You know you do. You accomplish that which you're excited about. Whatever you're passionate about, you make it happen. I know so many of you, if you get fired up about something, if something's on your heart, if you really care about something, you make it happen. That's just the way life is. Zeal drives spiritual growth. Zeal drives church growth. Zeal, a passionate, zealous church, can accomplish any vision, can fulfill any goal, can defeat any enemy. If we are zealous as a church, there's nothing that can stand in our way from accomplishing everything that God has called us to do. Zeal changes. It changes us. It changes who we are. It changes, listen, it changes the way I think. My zeal changes the way I think. It changes the way I think about, the way I feel about myself. It, it, it changes the way that, that, I, that, I, that I, I interact with other people, the compassion that I have for other people. The way I speak, when I have a zeal for God, I'm watching my words. It encompasses every single area of our life. Why? Because when you have zeal for God, you want to please your heavenly father. You want to do the will of your heavenly father. Like Jesus said, it is my food. If it's your food, then it changes every area of your life. When you're zealous, it changes you, but it also changes other people. It changes the people around you. It changes your family. It changes your coworkers. It changes your neighbors. It changes your friends. It changes everyone. If we become passionate for God, people around us will notice that. They will notice that and they will be drawn into a relationship with Christ. Zeal also, also protects me from falling into sin. I want you to think about this. When did David get himself into trouble? Think about that. When did, when did David get himself into trouble? It was when he chose to stay home and walk around on rooftops and let his eyes wander to places they shouldn't be wandering. But it was when he should have been in battle. He should have been in battle. There should be a zeal and a fervor and a passion there. When did David get into trouble? When he stayed home, when he disengaged and he let his mind wander. That's when he fell into sin. The same is true for us. When we disengage, when we, we, when we no longer are, are when, when serving in the church, church becomes a spectator sport for us, we, we become spectators in our own church. When we stop sharing our faith with other people, it just becomes private. It becomes, yeah, you know, they'll figure it out themselves, but there's just, there's no passion to share Christ with other people. When that happens, we begin to lose our zeal. Things become routine. And we, and we, and before long, we find ourselves, we find ourselves slipping into sinful patterns or slipping back into sinful patterns. Right? When do you find yourself slipping back into those sinful patterns? When you have kind of lost that fervor, when you've lost that zeal, when you've lost that passion, and you disengage, you disengage, and instead of engaging in the battle, you just remain back and allow your mind to wander and fall into sin. 
So then the other question is, how do we re, this is the big one. How do we regain that zeal for God? I mean, I just laid all these things out. We need the zeal. We need to have passion. We need to have fervor. We need to, yeah, here we go. How do we do that? I'll tell you next week. Let's bow our heads. (laughs) God loves that when that happens. He does. He's laughing in heaven. Father God, thank you so much for this time we can spend together. And God, as I, as I am on my knees before you, I pray, dear God, with all of my heart that you would build a fire in my life, that you would build a fire in every single person's life who is here this morning. Lord God, those who have come to know you, we celebrate that. We say, amen. Heaven is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing. We rejoice in our hearts because now they can begin to truly live a zealous, passionate life for you. For those of us, Lord God, maybe who've eh, slidden a little bit off the path. We've backslidden a little bit, Lord God. That fire is just kind of smoldering now. I pray that the spirit, the wind of the spirit would blow in, Lord God, that we would begin to throw logs on that fire and it would burn bright that even the most adverse, difficult times of our life would not be able to to put it out to scream. Welch it, Lord God. We ask that you would be with each one of us as we leave this place. Use this time that we spend together to, to look into our own hearts, to look into our own lives, to make sure we're doing everything we need to be doing to light that fire in our hearts, to have that zeal for you. And may we come back to this place next week, Lord God, with that same passion in our hearts to want to learn how we can reignite that fire. In Jesus' precious and holy name, I pray over every single person here. Amen. Have a dynamic week.